So you love Jesus. Now what? We have come to the last message in the book of the Gospel according to John. It has been a marvelous journey as far as I am concerned with the things that God has been able to teach us. In case you didn't realize it, we have gone from the opening chapters of John from eternity past to the post-resurrection appearances of the Lord Jesus Christ. John has presented to us the good news, the gospel, the presentation of salvation that's been provided through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, he has told us, is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. So that by believing on him, you might have life. I trust that as we've taken this journey, it's been a blessing to you as well. As we come to this closing message, we find ourselves in a context in which the Lord Jesus Christ, going back to last week, the Lord Jesus Christ has met with seven disciples in the area of the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias. He has just provided them with, as far as I know, as I mentioned last week, the second largest catch of fish that they have experienced ever. The greatest catch was with the hands, the hand of the Lord benefiting them as well. In fact, we know that there was 153 very large fish by our text. He has served them breakfast. He then went on to challenge Peter specifically related to his love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I mentioned to you, I believe he did that to restore Peter to a position of leadership publicly. He encouraged him as well in his shepherding and the requirements that God has for him in the life that Peter is to live. And very graciously, he also informed, as we close those verses out, Peter as to how he would die. And we know that because the scriptures say he was signifying by what death Peter would glorify God in verse 19. Peter has expressed in that passage three times that he has loved the Lord Jesus Christ, or that he has love for the Lord Jesus Christ. In last week's message, I challenged us as to whether we love the Lord. Make it very simple. We asked ourselves, do we love the Lord more than these? More than our job? More than this world? More than anyone else? Further, the challenge was there for Peter and for us. Do we love the Lord more than ourselves? And if that's not great enough, he closed with, do you love the Lord more than life itself? It is very easy to sit here in a church like this in comfortableness and say, yes, yes, yes. Peter certainly said yes. And I'll start with the positive today, and that's the intent. If you are here today and you say, yes, I love the Lord Jesus Christ with all my heart, soul, mind, spirit. Well, then, now what? Where do we go from here? Do we just express that love and it's over? No, that brings us to the closing text of the book. 
And the outline's pretty simple there in your bulletin. Well, the first thing is, then if you love the Lord, follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow him. Now let's put it in its context and let's talk a little bit about this and we'll give application in just a moment. We need to go back to the end of verse 19, I believe, because in the context we have, and I ended with this, Peter was simply to follow the Lord and I applied it that way. But in the end of the verse it says, and when he had spoken this, he said to Peter, I said to him, follow me. Now to understand that in its context, probably what is happening, and I say probably, I believe that's prob- it is what happened, but is that now, as he has been, and I mentioned last week, I believe he was publicly still with all the disciples because of the way it began in verse 15, but now he's almost taking Peter on a, on a stroll, if you will, maybe it's down the beach or down the shore. How do we know that? How do we know that they're really going for a walk when he says, follow me? Well, several things that I would suggest to you in the context to understand it. First of all, you notice Peter turns around. So this time he's actually with the Lord and he turns around. And you'll notice that as he turns around in verse 20, it says, the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. So apparently when he's talking about following, it is literally that he's also going for a walk with Peter. He has now restored him publicly. He has now challenged him publicly just as Peter denied him and now kind of wants to walk with Peter. And Peter turns around, and as he turns around, we see that John is following as well. And the first thing I want you to note is that how quickly Peter gets distracted. Just like that. He's just been with the Lord. He's expressed his Lord. The Lord just is love for the Lord. The Lord challenged him on his love. The Lord just told him to shepherd the flock. The Lord has restored him publicly. The Lord has said that he will basically be a martyr for the Lord Jesus Christ. And having just said all of that to Peter, you would think that Peter would be ecstatic. Wouldn't you love it if the Lord turned around to you and said to you, here is exactly what is going to happen in your life. And here is what I want you to do. By the way, he has in his word. I'll get back to that. And then immediately after hearing that, you would think, oh, boy, this is exciting. I just had a conversation with the Lord. I'm restored, and all of this is going on. And it, and it is in seconds, minutes, that he's distracted. And he's wondering about John, totally distracted from what the Lord called him to do. Peter's going to be martyred. And yet we come down to verse 20. We see he's distracted because he turns around and looks at him, and he says, what about him? Verse 21, so Peter seeing him, rather than focusing in on what the Lord wants him to do, says to the Lord, what about this man? And he's distracted from it within minutes. What's the Lord's response? Verse 22, you want me to put it in simple language? Peter, it's none of your business. What? That's what he says. Jesus says to him in verse 22, if I want this, I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? Peter, your eyes are in the wrong place. Your heart, your question is in the wrong place. I just told you 
what I want for you. What are you looking at him for? It's none of your business. Simply, what does he say? Follow me. Peter, take your focus off all of that and get back to what I just told you. Pay attention to following me. You love me? Don't worry about them. Shepherd the flock, but focus on following me. Oh, how easily Peter was distracted. How easily we are distracted from what God wants for us. We get preoccupied with everything that's going on in our life. Things that are even necessary in our life. And simply get lost in what God wants first. And our focus goes right off of him just like that. Just like it did with Peter. Let me give you some examples to make it real practical for you. I am asking you to put on your speed button right now. And for those of you who have eye touches, no problem. You'll get there before I do. Okay? But follow along with a couple of verses. And let me show you something this morning that you and this audience and I know what God has for us and how often we are distracted from that into everything else. Watch. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Just covered this verse this morning in our Sunday Bible study. Watch quickly. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. This is no mystery, folks. For this, what? Is the will of God. Your sanctification. What is it, fellow believer? Abstain from sexual immorality. There is no doubt. There's the clear instruction from the Lord. This is his will. Turn with me to chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians. Stay with me quick. Verse 16. Rejoice always. Write. That's what the Lord's will is. You say, I got trials in my life. Rejoice. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing what God is doing. This is no mystery. He says, rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Absolutely what Bob said this morning is true. It is a challenge for us to pray the way we should. We ought to be instant in prayer, praying about everything. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? And look at verse 18. In some things give thanks. Is that what your Bible says? This is clear. God's revelation is in everything that comes into your life, give thanks. Why should I do that? Now look at this surprise. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. How many times do we walk around as Christians, oh, if I only could discover God's will. Really? Stay away from all immorality. Really? Pray without ceasing. Really that you could discover it? Rejoice in everything. What else? Just what he says here. In everything, give thanks. Not complaining. Wow. 
Turn with me to Timothy, 1 Timothy, chapter 2. Stay with me. 1 Timothy, chapter 2, quickly. How about verse 3? Watch. This is good and acceptable. What is God's will? This is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. What is that? Beginning in verse 1. Entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made for all men. For who? Kings and for all those that are in authority. How often are we praying for those in authority as opposed to complaining about how bad they are? God's will is pray for them. Look at verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And then he goes on and gave himself a ransom. And what is he dealing with? He says that in verse 4, he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You do what you will with that. It's clear. That is the heart and desire of God, to have men come to the truth. And there's only one mediator. I just had a conversation this past week with a man that was talking about this. With my background and his background, he said, can I ask you some questions? And sure you can. And he got into the concept of the confessional. And I brought him back. To, I didn't bring him back to it. He didn't, wasn't familiar with the verse. I shared this verse. There's no reason to talk to that priest about anything. Talk to the Lord directly. Why? That is the will of God. Let me go further. Ephesians chapter 5. You haven't had enough yet? Let's go. Ephesians chapter 5. Let's go back a little bit. Here we go. Therefore, be imitators of God. What's God's will for me? Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. How? Just as Christ loved you and gave himself for us and offering and a sacrifice to God. How are we to walk like Jesus Christ walked? How is that? In his love. What type of love? The way he loves you, you love others. Not the way you want to love them. The way God loved them. That is the will of God. Verse 22. Let's get real practical. Verse 22. Wives. Uh Uh-oh. Be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. That's pretty straightforward. That is God's will. Husbands. You think you're getting out of it? Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Why do you think he commands it? Because we don't do it. How are we to do that? Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You give yourself up and do what your wife needs because God loves you that way. That's what God's will is. Children, you think you're getting out of it? Chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is the will of God. Peter was just instructed as to what God's will is. We are instructed in all of these ways. We're not done. Go to Romans chapter 12. A couple more verses, then we'll be done. I could go on. Romans chapter 1, uh, chapter 12, sorry. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, conclusion, I urge you, who brethren, by the mercies of God, what am I to do? Present your bodies, in what way? A living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, And, fellow Christian, open your ears. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How do I do that? 
by the renewing of your thinking. Think. Let your mind be changed. Why? Watch what he says. So that you may prove what the will of God is by the way you live. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. It's practical. Acts chapter 2, last one. Acts chapter 2 for now. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Say, I don't want to turn any more pages. I'm under conviction already. All right, good. Turn to another page anyway. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38. After pre God uh, used Peter to preach the word of God, now open up your ears here. After he opened up their heart, we come down to verse 37. When they had heard these things, what things? That Jesus Christ is Lord, verse 36. He was crucified by them. They were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do now? What shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, each of you, and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is going on here? People had just heard the message, and it had been bringing conviction in their heart. They knew what God wanted, and they said, How do we do this? And now he makes it very clear, this is what you do. What? Get saved. And people come here week after week after week after week and hear a message, and they get convicted, and now what do I do? Get saved. You come here week after week after week, you get under conviction about things in your life, what are you to do? Put it into practice. And we say that we, we know the will of God, or we want to know the will of God. I have just given you simple examples of we have the revelation of God that makes very clear to us what God expects in our lives, and it doesn't take us moments to walk out of this building, to walk away from reading the word of God, and we're distracted. And all of a sudden we're saying, what about him? What about them? What about this? What about that? How about this? And we get distracted by finances. We get distracted by what God is doing with other people. We get distracted by our companions. We get distracted by other Christians. We start to get distracted about our future. We get distracted about, in this context, other people's future. What's going to happen to him in the future? I got to die. Does he get to die too? What's going on? And these things keep us, if we're honest, from coming to salvation when we're brought under conviction and we wait till next week or the next week or the next week. Or it takes believers who are kept from serving, who are kept from walking with God right now the way they should be and being used by God the way God wants to use them because we are distracted about everything else rather than simply following the one we say we love. Let me give you a suggestion for what it's worth. Don't be preoccupied with the future. Don't be preoccupied with others. And don't be distracted from what God wants for you. How do we do that? Let me give you a suggestion. Be faithful in the present. Never mind about the future. Be faithful in the present and what God, what you know God expects of you now. 
Because if you are faithful in the present and doing what God expects of you now, whether he takes you home today or a thousand years from now, and if you live to be a thousand years, I'll shake your hand in heaven because I won't. Okay? But uh, whether he takes you home then, you will have nothing to worry about because you did exactly what God wanted you to do. And that was simply follow him and stop comparing yourself with everybody else. Follow him. That's what you should do. Right in the text, we go back to John chapter 4. I hope my voice falls out. <clears throat> John chapter 21. As we go back there, that's the problem. Peter was losing focus. And the Lord says, you love me? Follow me then. And then this is interesting. I could spend a lot of time on this. There had to be clarification. John clarifies something because in verse 23, after he said, follow me. I also find it interesting. Let me just throw this out. I find it interesting because the last thing that John records that Jesus said, catch this, was what? He's coming back. <laughs> He's coming back. He says, what is it to you if he remains, and here's his last words, until I come. He's coming back. What an encouraging thing. He just told him, challenged his love. He just challenged him about walking, and he also, and I don't even know if Peter heard it. Because he gets caught up and everybody else gets caught up in living the length of John's life rather than, did you catch it, Peter? I'm coming back. Follow me. Follow me. But isn't it amazing? What happens is you uh, find out that the disciples turned it around and changed it. Do people change the word of God? Yes. Do Christians change things? Yes. You notice Jesus didn't say that he wouldn't die. Well, that's your interpretation. No, it's not. It's his own interpretation. But John had to give clarification. All he said was, what does it matter to you if he remains until I come back? He didn't say John would remain. And by the way, John did not remain because Jesus hasn't come back yet. And John's dead. Amazing how things get changed and rumors get started. We had a... Uh, Christmas party for the staff recently, and I rather enjoyed the last game we prayed. I uh, played. I enjoyed praying too, but um, uh, we played this game. It was kind of fun where we had a number of people at the table, and we started off with a, a saying that had to be drawn and then written and then drawn and written. And by the time we get to the end, very few of them looked anything like or reflected anything of what they started with. I mean, we had some sayings that were, uh, I think, away in the manger, and it ended up, oh, little town of Bethlehem. I mean, it just, it was amazing, some of the things that happened. But that's what happens with us. I've already shared with you before, I'll never forget the time I went under surgery from my knee, arthroscopic surgery, this was years ago when it was first coming out, in North Andover, and I was sitting in the office, Scott was there, Beulah was there, Pastor String was there. We got a call from Church of the Open Bible, and they were asking how my brain surgery went. Um, <laughs> That's, that's a true story. It's a true story. That may be where my brains are, I don't know, but uh, the, the, the point of the matter is we change things. Now, we, and we can have a good laugh about that, but you know something? Be very careful with the Word of God. I would challenge you, I have it in my notes and I'm not going to look at it, but you look at chapter 5 of Matthew on your own, because that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did with the theology of the day. He came to the people and says, 
You have heard that this is what was said. Let me tell you what the word of God says. You have heard that this is what was said. Let me tell you what the word of God says. You have heard what this was said. Let me tell you, and we have a lot of that today. Rather than go back to the scriptures, we're going with what everybody else thinks and says the scriptures say. Get back to the word of God. Back to the word of God. Stick to the word. So the first thing is follow him. Are you? Have you followed Jesus Christ in salvation yet? What are you waiting for? Christmas? It's here. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ now. What are you waiting for, Christian? What are you looking at everything else for? Follow the Lord and be faithful now. Then what? Verse 24. This is a disciple who is testifying that these things of, uh, to these things and the things, and we know that his testimony is true. All I want to say about this verse, and there's a lot that could be said about it, but is this. Testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. John wrote this and was used to write this to tell people, to tell people who Jesus was. This is called witnessing. We are called to witness. We are called to testify as to who Jesus Christ. You say you love the Lord? Well, Peter, follow me. You say you love the Lord? Well, then testify as to who he is. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You say, I'd like to see Fellowship Bible Church grow. Who are you witnessing to? Who are you inviting out? You say, well, that's your job, Pastor. It is, and it's yours too. We say we love the Lord and nobody talks about him. Nobody shares the gospel with others. Let me tell you, when you look at something like Connecticut, what do you think this world needs? They need the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to know. And it's obvious, the evidence. You can do all the psychology and all you want to do to analyze everything that took place. The bottom line, it was a heart that was wicked and a heart that was desperate and a heart that didn't know God that did what it did. And that young boy needed somebody to come to him and share the gospel. And that's what we need to be doing. You love the Lord? then if you're going to say you love the Lord, you show it by following Jesus Christ and not get distracted. By witnessing and testifying as to who he is and tell others and proclaim the good news because that's what it is. <clears throat> John spent 21 verses and his testimony is true because he was an eyewitness and he knew it and he recorded it. What better information can we have? How do we do that? How do we testify to that? By walking worthy of the vocation of which we've been called. By yielding to the Holy Spirit, not being drunk with wine, but being filled with the Spirit of God, Ephesians chapter 5. By producing good works in our lives. You don't get saved by good works, but we should be looking out and caring for others, Ephesians chapter 4. By telling others, why? Because it says that if you are saved, confession is made with the mouth and belief is made in the hearts. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ, how are you going to witness for him? By not being ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've heard it from me before. 
What are you afraid to witness to your neighbors for? What are you afraid to witness to your friends for? What are you afraid to witness to your fellow workers for? They might get saved. That's a wonderful thing. Tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wasn't ashamed of the gospel because he knew the power of it. What is able to change a person like me into a person that preaches the word when I had nothing to do with it? Only God. What is it that can change you from wherever you are to be a pertinent person that witnesses and testifies for God? But you know what we do? We do the same thing that Peter did. Come to church on a Sunday morning, hear a message. Well, I've heard it all before. Pastor Dan's not telling me anything. I don't know. And we walk our way, and we're distracted. We walk our way, and we're not given a witness or testimony. And no different from Peter, who just was instructed as to what to do, and in moments is saying, well, what about him? What about this? What about that? Finally, I put it to you this way, verse 25. Let me read it. John says there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I supposed even the world itself would not contain the books that were written. And you know what? It's obvious. This is hyperbole here. This ought not to surprise us. People talk about taking the word of God literally, and then they come to a verse like this and say, well, if you take the word of God liberally, I mean literally, you know, what does that really mean? Every language has hyperbole. If you're hungry and you're going to go home in a few minutes, you can probably say, I could eat the home out of house and whatever the expression is, or I could eat a horse or whatever it is, and, uh, you know, whatever the expression might be. That's hyperbole. It's part of language. That's all he uses. His point was this. I have not scratched the surface in telling you about Jesus Christ. And I'll be honest with you, as I thought of the verse myself, I think it's probably more accurate than it is hyperbole. All we have is about three years of the life of Jesus Christ recorded in the Word of God, and look at how much we got. You say, but he didn't know what would happen by the 21st century. Really? We cannot begin to plumb the depths of God's love for us. And if you ponder that, and if you love the Lord, and you just walk with God by following him, and if you pay attention to testifying to who he is and giving out the good news, and if you just begin to ponder the depths of what God is doing in your life and how good God is to you, and I'll give you a little glimpse in just a second, I say that you will really show your love for the Lord because you'll be amazed. Just like that song goes, I stand amazed at what you're doing. Let me give you some quick examples. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 9. Second Corinthians 9. This doesn't do something for you. I don't know what would shake you up. Second Corinthians 9, verse 15. You know, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You say, what do you mean indescribable? I can describe salvation. You really can't? I'm interested in listening. You can describe how somebody who was an enemy of God, who was a sinner, that a God who created everything, who is eternal, would take on flesh and pay the penalty and price for my sin as a substitute on the cross of Calvary? You think that really has described fully who God is and what that gift is? I don't think so. That doesn't scratch the surface. How about 1 Peter chapter 1? Let's turn there. 
First Peter chapter one, a couple other quickies. First Peter chapter one. Look at verses three to five. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again. He did it, we didn't. Watch this. To a living hope, we didn't have that before we were saved. We were walking around in this world basically with no hope at all. That's what that boy had, no hope. We need hope, we get it from God. How is it? Through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. Now what does that give us? Look at verse four and five. To obtain an inheritance. You say, I'm not, I haven't got too much in this world. I get very little by way of finances and possessions and everything. Really? Do you know how rich you are if you're saved? Watch. To an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, it will not fade away, it's reserved in heaven for you who are protected, how? By the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You describe that to me. We have an inheritance that's undefiled, fading not away, reserved in heaven for us, never going to end, indescribable? Yes. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. I'm not going to be able to get through all of these, but let me go to Philippians chapter 1 for a moment. Say ponder, ponder what? How about pondering this? You've probably quoted it many times. Philippians chapter 1, just verse 6. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, who is that? God. Jesus Christ, how in salvation he began it and then we walk through this life and we wonder and woe is me and I get all these things going wrong and this is happening and that's happening. Wait a minute, ponder the rest of the verse. He says, he began a good work in you, he will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He is not done with you. He's working on you. He's working on me for his honor and glory, and he's going to perfect me just the way he wants me. Not like John, not like Peter, not like Paul, but like who God wants me to be and for you who God wants you to be. Just ponder what he's doing in your life. Haven't had enough? How about Ephesians chapter 3? Ephesians chapter 3, one of the passages I have down, I won't turn to, it's Psalm 139. I'm amazed by that. He knew everything about you while you were being formed in your mother's womb. And not only that, as he brought you forth, he knew your days even before they were one of them, that you were breathing God's air. But let's try Ephesians chapter 3 on. You know it. How about verse 18? As he's praying there, he wants... Christ to dwell in their heart by faith, verse 17, and he picks it up in verse 18, and he wants them to be able to ponder, to be able to comprehend, to be able to think about what? This. May be able to comprehend with all the saints. That is talking about pondering. That is talking about thinking about what God has done. Now watch this. What is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth? And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up with all the fullness of God, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, watch this, 
beyond all that we ask or even think. How's that? According to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations. How long? Forever and ever. What are we saying? What we're saying is if you say you love the Lord, you love the Lord, then follow him. Don't focus on other things. Don't focus on other people. What has God got for your life? And walk in the present. He will take care of the future. Don't trust in these things. They all fade. Get focused on that. Peter, even with fishing, and again, was there anything wrong with it? Absolutely not. But Peter, you get focused on fishing, and even all the wealth that I just provided for you, and you won't follow me. And you start looking at other people and worrying about the future, you won't follow me. And unfortunately, I can say this, but I've seen situations where people started to fade. People all of a sudden weren't reading their Bible. That's the present. People all of a sudden weren't serving anymore. People all of a sudden didn't see it necessary to come to the local assembly to be together in fellowship, weren't interested in other things. And then years down the line, you say, how's so-and-so doing? And the honest desire is, I hope they're doing well with the Lord. They don't go to church anywhere. They don't read anymore. What happened? They weren't living for Christ in the presence. They weren't following him now. They weren't witnessing and testifying. That joy had gone for years. If you love the Lord, follow him. Tell others of the deeds that God's doing. Tell others of the great joy it is to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And just take the time yourself to be alone and ponder the depths of his love. And as we close with John, I'd like you to go back to John chapter 20. Remember this? Therefore, many other signs, verse 30, Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples. They're not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. When I started studying this book with you over four years ago, and we've gone through. John's objective was that you understand that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's the Christ. And as he brings his book to a close, he says there's many, many, many other things that could be written. The world couldn't contain its books. But what John has demonstrated to you and to me is the Messiah has been revealed. It is Jesus Christ. John has finished his record. Have you believed? It was the whole purpose of the study. And if you're sitting here today and say, I haven't come to believe yet. No, I haven't come to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
my encouragement to you is read the book again. Because John wrote everything that he did and recorded everything that he did so that you would understand that there is hope beyond this world. And the hope is only found in the person of Jesus Christ. And he wrote this, he says, you're looking at the verse, so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now watch this, the Son of God, that believing you might have life in his name, that you might have life, not death. Someone that I witnessed to this past week had this question for me, a statement. So you really believe there's a hell? And I looked him right in the eye and said, yes, I do. But I also believe there's salvation from it. But it's only found in the person of Jesus Christ. That was a fellow official that I was witnessing to. And I said, it's only through Jesus Christ. If you don't believe on him, you will be in hell and find out it's real. And if you're here today with all the evidence that's been given through this book and all that you've heard and you still haven't come to believe, then all you're saying is you don't want life. And that's what God has for you. you say, Pastor Dan, yeah, it's been a, a blessing in the study. And yes, I love the Lord. And yeah, I believed in him. So I got John's message. Well, then let's finish what John closes with. You love the Lord? Follow him in the present. Testify to who he is. And ponder what God has done, is doing, who he is, and his greatness. And you will have a life as a Christian that indeed will do what Ephesians said that we looked at. And you will be following after Christ and bring glory and honor to his name. And all that will matter isn't whether you die at 15 or 25 or 55 or 85 or 95. The things that we worry about. All that will matter is just like it will for Peter and John. Peter, who was a martyr earlier than John was, Peter will hear, well done. You did what I gave you to do. And John, who lived longer, will hear, well done. You lived in the present until I had you record the book of Revelation. Then I took you home. That's all that matters. So if you say, yes, I love the Lord, walk with him now. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace and <clears throat> allowing my voice to even hold out. Thank you for your grace in our lives that you would use a man like the Apostle John to record the word of God and allow us the privilege of studying this book. And I thank you for the book. Thank you for the opportunity we've had to look in it. Thank you that we clearly understand his purpose. And I pray that if there be anyone in this room, one person in this room that has not yet come to Christ, help them to see that all the purpose and everything John wrote was so that they could have life. But that life only comes when they understand and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by faith put their trust in him, who lived and then died on the cross of Calvary as a substitute to pay the penalty and price of sin, rose victorious from the grave, and is now seated at your right hand. Help them, Father, to come in faith to faith in Christ today. For there's no guarantee of tomorrow. 
Those who know the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the book and the opportunity to study. And while we say we love you, help us, Father, to follow you. Help our focus. We get so easily distracted. Help us, Father, to indeed testify. Often we're ashamed. We're worried about pressure and what people think. But help us to be bold with the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God. And I pray, Father, you'd help us to just ponder the things that you have done, the things that you are doing and will continue to do because of your greatness. And Father, while we enjoy the life that we have on earth, we know that you're perfecting us. Help us to dwell on that. And as we look forward to the day in which we'll be in heaven and enjoy the inheritance that's undefiled, that fades not away, in which there'll be no more sin, that, Father, that's future, but help us to live in the present, that you might get honor and glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.